Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined by Denny Carter, where we will be breaking down what is known as the big game, Super Bowl LV2, uh, the Chiefs outlasting the Eagles, and then hashtag instant classic, and the game that was also hashtag marred a little bit by the referees at the end. I love that. That hashtag is really just rolls off your tongue. Really. Yeah, hashtag marred. No, I, it's just hashtag marred. Uh, the only <laughs> hashtagging the word marred. I love to. I would love to click on that and see what comes. Yeah. yeah. Although I don't know. It was sorry to say the. I don't really think the call ruined the game. I mean, I'm not an Eagles fan. But I don't know. It was what you would know as hashtag ticky tack. It was. Um, it was. Ta- it was ticky tack for sure. I, you. They could have not called it, and no one would have said anything. I think he kind of redirected him a little bit. I mean, he I'm tried little. to bail the refs out after the game. He said he committed holding, but yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the game in just one second. But first, Danny, we got to talk about your week on a soundstage in Arlington, Virginia, that was posing <laughs> as Glendale, Arizona. Uh, people are saying, many people are saying, one of whom is you, that you were at the Super Bowl last week at uh, Radio right. Row. And so how did it go? Yeah, well, I actually hired a documentary crew to follow me around <laughs> and document every interaction I had with everybody there, the, the, their interviews. So that, that documentary will be coming out soon on Peacock. Check it out. Uh, and <clears throat> just to prove that I, it wasn't a hologram, you know, folks, they, there, there was a lot of, uh, uh, altering of images of me at the Super Bowl over the past few days, uh, showing, you know, that I was supposedly, I was not there. I was, I was truly there. And, and to prove it, I will say that the desert climate, not a, as nice as I thought it would. No, it's quite dry. Um, well, but it's also, it also gets really cold. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, this time of year, it gets quite cold. Yeah, like, it, I was like, oh, this is so nice. 15 minutes later, the sun's down, and it's 42 degrees. There's no clouds to hold in the heat, so it all just disappears the second the sun goes down, Denny. And people, some people on the podcast probably heard, may have been wondering why I didn't join you and Lawrence Jackson yeah. and Glendale. It's because we are awaiting the birth of my fourth child, Denny. That is four, one, two, three, four kids. and uh, One more than three. She's due any day now. Um, she's due February 21st in eight days. Um, so I, I was having a lot of people telling me to go, I couldn't take the chance, but then she wasn't born <laughs> and not mad about it at all. No, uh, look, you, uh, you, you, you looked at the analytics, the analytics said you should stay home. And I think everybody, everybody should respect that. That actually, that is 
Kidding aside, that is what happened. We looked at the analytics. I figure there's probably like a 5% chance she was born early. Couldn't live with myself if I mer- missed my personal Super Bowl, Denny. Um, although I did tell my wife that it was going into labor on Super Bowl Sunday would have been the, quote, doomsday scenario. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not quite sure how she felt about that. But. She hasn't talked to you since, but I, I no. mean, it's, hard to, it's hard to say how she feels. <laughs> She's like, you. she was kidding aside again. She's like, you could have watched it. And I was like, I would have had to wait to feel good about myself. I would have had to wait until three hours, I think, after the child was welcomed into the world to at least turn yeah. on the game. I did watch some World Cup games in 2018 in the hospital when my son yeah. was born. But uh, that, was, I, that, I was, have, that was like three or four hours after he was born, I think. <laughs> so I have, you ever know, I, Listen, I'm with you. Um, my, my son was born uh, on Fantasy Championship Sunday. Uh, so back in, back in the old days, that was week what was it? Week 16. Okay. Week 16. Um, and I, I had two tight, tight championship games <laughs> that year. And one of them was resolved before we went to the hospital. The other one was not resolved until that Monday night when the Titans played wow. the jets. And uh, I definitely watched that entire game and tilted my brains out uh, while, you know, holding, holding my son and, and yeah. being a very loving father, but also desperately needing the Titans defense to score four points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so which, who can say what the greater miracle is? <laughs> um, they did not. And I lost. So yeah, if you've never had a child, you've never been in the hospital for that sort of thing. There's actually just a lot of sitting around, especially for the old dad. So yes, yes, uh, there was you can usually throw I, on some sports. I, by the way, I, I was under the impression uh, that <laughs> if we were going to do the middle of the night thing, which, which, which it was for my son, that I was, that we were cool, that my wife was cool with me, you know, resting, resting my eyelids a little bit in the hospital. Um, <laughs> after the fact, I learned that that was not okay. No. And that despite it being two in the morning and getting no sleep, I I, I needed to, stay, I should have stayed awake. And the analytics didn't tell me that. And that's, that of course is when she left. <laughs> I just, I thought, I thought I could take a little snooze, but no. No, you can't take a little snooze. And yeah, every time now we'll get on to the game here, but every time now in the middle of the night, like my wife makes any sort of like faint sound or rolls whatsoever. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's happening. Oh. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> get it. going into labor. Um, but I almost did a horrible segue there. Uh, we're going to go in to Super Bowl <laughs> LV2, more popularly known as Super Bowl 57. Which, man, a lot of storylines in this game. One of which, the most annoying storyline, I didn't even mention in the intro, was the field. Uh, Thought they would have maybe had that sorted out before they kicked off the biggest game of the year. Well, uh, apparently they had someone named the Sod Father. He's been at all 57 Super Bowls, an immediate red flag, but I'm sure that's good. He's 92 years old, um, and he's been preparing this field for one year. Uh, ahead of the game, and and uh, it was the worst field possible. So, Sod Father's down bad this morning. He is. I'm sure it's actually not the Sod Father's fault, and it is probably the aforementioned climate you were in. And that field they have like on a rolling track, so it's like outside. But I don't know. It seemed like it looked like I tweeted this. So sorry if you saw the tweet. It looked like someone had just spray painted a softball infield. Yeah, like it was just like spray painted softball dirt. And I thought the low point was when Isaiah Pacheco slipped trying to celebrate. Like the field <laughs> won't even let a man celebrate. Yes, yes. No, as, it, hopefully that wasn't like a TikTok thing where he's faking an injury. I'm pretty sure he actually slipped. And who who can know if it was a TikTok thing? 
I, I I do I do wonder. Okay, so the players don't like turf, and I get that. And and obviously, no one wants players to be in danger of of, of ser- serious injury because of the turf. So I'm not saying we need turf, but I am saying we need something that works where the players can dig in and run without without slipping and falling. Because it seems like a lot of grass surfaces uh, come with a lot of slip slippage. It's weird. The grass service has been just a lot better, though, too recently. I don't know what was going on. This feels an issue all year. I mean, some people thought it was an issue in Kyler Murray's ACL tear, and it was never known as a bad field, really, until this year. I mean, maybe a listener could correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I don't think what, – what's it called now? State Farm Rodeo had ever like, had uh, turf issues before. Jake, but, it's called Jake from State Farm Stadium. Nah, of course. There you go. And yeah, the game, it was one of the better played Super Bowls in recent memory. Uh, weren't many penalties, except for, of course, the one big penalty. There weren't many mistakes. I mean, that's one reason I feel so bad for Justin Hurts is he played like a flawless game, except for the most random mistake oh. ever, just like dropping the ball. And then think of all the bad luck that went in that. He just randomly drops the ball. You know, fumbles are 50-50. They don't recover. And he drops it in a place where a guy can scoop and score. It, it bounces right into the guy's chest. Man, you that, know, was, and that was devastating. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're, we're all going to think about and talk about the penalty, but uh, that play uh, definitely opened the door. It was looking – I have to say before that play – It was like a blowout. A, it was looking a lot like a route, you know. It was going in that direction, and uh, – uh, teams are not able to, and we'll talk about this in a second, but teams are really unable to really like step on the necks of the chiefs when they can like, yeah. and, and, and that's a credit to the chiefs. I'm not, I'm not saying they're lucky, but teams just fail to finish them off when, when they, when they can, and, and they shouldn't happen again, again, uh, again in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I feel like without that fumble mm-hmm. six, I mean, I don't know if the chiefs would have been able to work their magic because that what the Eagles would have probably scored on that drive. They would have been really, really able to settle in. Like their game shortening, power running attack. Like it would have been just a totally different game without that fumble six. But I mean, so yeah, the Chiefs, they survived a skittish first half to basically just become like a second half, like death machine. I mean, they scored on every possession of the second half. Apparently, the only the second team in Super Bowl history to do that after the 2017 18 Eagles yeah. against defensive genius Matt Patricia scored on every single one of their second half possessions. But you know, the Chiefs, 38 35. Third Lombardi trophy in franchise history. And I talked about the luck thing. You kind of wanted to talk about the analytics too. Because Nick Sirianni, he was our analytics king in this game, but there was a few fateful moments where he was not. And that also made a difference. What did you want to say about that? Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't press his advantage. Uh and and he was really good. I honestly think that he has established himself as our true analytics king now yeah, he actually had he real he, deal has yeah i mean be, even more so than dan campbell who's super aggressive as well but sirianni doesn't doesn't care he he does what he thinks will score him the most points and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he has <clears throat> jalen hurts the uh best weapon in the entire nfl on the ground uh so uh i, I wanted to just read what uh kevin cole um said today an analytics advocate a really smart guy you can find him at kevin cole on twitter uh nick sirianni's fourth down decisions in the super bowl netted the eagles uh, a 9.2 percent win probability uh, but he failed to press his advantage with the one call that would have truly leveraged the power of analytics to make the right but controversial decision uh and, and that was to go for it 
on fourth and three in uh, the en- enemy territory uh, in the second half. They uh, they did not do it. And uh, you didn't. I, I was shocked. I actually I, w- I was very disappointed because uh, they, they went for fourth down four times and converted all of them. Uh, the, the first one, the first one, I'm sure set, uh, you know, anti-analytics folks crazy. Um, the first call was incredibly bold coming on fourth and five from the Kansas City 44. No team since at least the 2000 season had attempted a fourth down try in the first half of the Super Bowl when needing more than one yard. So it was wow. it was Man. historically aggressive. OK, um, and but but when it came down to it, they they he did not he backed off he backed off and you and against the against a, a team as strong as the chiefs you cannot back off you have to keep pressing and he didn't do it i just wonder if that comes down to like the classic ineffable because clearly he understands the mathematical implications he's just like man if we don't get this is it gonna like deflate the team like so much like uh, yeah. one of the yeah. only reasons i could really think of and it's interesting there was another analytics moment that wasn't in this game from the chiefs and the Chiefs had multiple times where they could have gone for it and did not. This Andy Reid just like doesn't do that. Andy I mean, Reid's not aggressive. We'll talk about that no. in a second. But yeah. Uh, but I, there was we could have had like the iconic analytics moment in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs went up 34-27 and they could have gone for two to make it a two-score game and they did not. They kicked the extra point to make it like a two-play game because yeah. they still had to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion. But I kind of wanted to watch the world burn there and for the Chiefs. <laughs> and, like, the Chiefs, you know, they had, like, a couple of like perfect goal line plays. They ran essentially the same play on two of their fourth-quarter touchdowns, one to Kadarius Tony, the other to Sky Moore. I feel like they could have converted it, and that would have essentially put the game out of reach. But Andy Reid, right. these, these guys – I mean, it's understandable. Like, you don't want – you don't want, like, I guess the games to come down. Like, what, what in your mind is probably, like, a coin flip decision. But I, I thought that maybe the way the NFL had been building, it was going to crescendo with the Chiefs going for two there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they did not. And then the Eagles scored and then easily got the two-point conversion. Yeah. just to, yeah, And just to emphasize, for any doubters out there who say, well, you know, Sirianni still has to prove to me that he's the analytics king. He's he's the king. And, and uh, part of the reason is uh, he ranked number one in the regular season uh, in the football outsiders critical call index, which I'm not going to bore you with the description, but it's, it's a model for determining when NFL teams should go for it, when they should kick. Andy Reid uh, is number one. No, Sirianni. Oh, okay. I was like, what? And Andy Reid, by the way, <laughs> was 28th. In okay. That, yeah. I was going to say index. I was Very like, really, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be one of those things where I said something and the truth was the exact opposite. Yeah. Like he was really aggressive. No, 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 no. You, you're right. I mean, uh, um, you know, despite having Mahomes and Kelsey and, and, you know, some other weapons, they do not go for it. Like, and I, I think that actually bugs Mahomes. I, I see quite often watching him uh, in, in, you know, fourth and short situations. He doesn't love coming off the field, but Andy Reid is not playing that game. Like he's kicking. I guess you could argue one reason he doesn't do it is because he knows they'll just score the next drive. Yeah, I, I, that's that's true. Maybe the EPA calculations are just different in your head when you have Patrick Mahomes. Like you don't but, need to press your luck. Right, but, but but Sirianni again, as Kevin Cole said, added nearly ten percent to their the team's win probability by pressing on on fourth down. You know, I, I wish they had won because I think the real winner of the Super Bowl would have been the analytics. Uh, we all know the analytics will never win, though. Unfortunately, they lost, so we're still, we're still waiting for the analytics to work one time. By the way, I, what um, when 
will the NFL outlaw not not if but when will they outlaw the uh, fourth down sneak or the the sneak play where you have big guys pushing the quarterback? Yeah, the scrum. I'm sure that will be revisited by the hashtag competition committee this offseason. I'm really disappointed that it has gotten um, ridiculous. Where 99.5 percent of the game they play football. And then on like the highest leverage situations, the ref like blows the play dead before they run it and announces the next play has been declared a rugby play. Yeah. And then they play rugby for like the most important snaps of the game. But it's yeah. really, it's, it's unstoppable. I mean, it it, unstoppable. I, I should say it's almost unstoppable with most quarterbacks. It is unstoppable with Jalen Hurts. There were multiple times Chris Jones actually tried to jump over. That was a crazy, the, crazy the lineman. Play. And he was on top of Hertz, and Hertz was like, "Yeah, no, that that's not you. You got to have your feet on the ground to stop me, man. Come on." That was like the largest man I'd ever seen in the air, yeah. Chris Jones, <laughs> and then, yeah, he was suspended in real time, and it made no difference whatsoever, and didn't come close to stopping the play. But the Eagles were eleven of eighteen on third down and two of two on fourth down in this man. game. I think it was Kevin Colt who pointed out, like the Chiefs' defensive performance got obscured a little bit. By like before it's 18 third downs, that's like your defense is playing well, but the Eagles yeah. are just executing so so well. That's what they did all year. It's to me, it's crazy the Eagles didn't win win the Super Bowl this year. Not necessarily because of this game, but I thought the Eagles were like one of the least mistake prone teams I've ever seen in terms of like just good decision making, very few penalties, very few yeah. turnovers this year. They just played like unbelievably clean football in an era where the football is very dirty right now. Um, not many yeah. clean teams. No, and not, not good. They, they were so well oiled all year. So it is kind of very, very, I don't know, not poetic that it came down to a very uncharacteristic mistake yeah. where he just dropped the ball. Uh, and, you know, if we want to expand this conversation further, if we want to talk about the, you know, the most aggressive coaches uh, in, in the league and kind of maybe how that could play out in fantasy. I mean, I know it's February, so. Hard to say right now, but I just wanted to give the listeners a, an idea of who is aggressive on fourth down and who is not. Um, fourth down aggressiveness as measured by NFL data analyst Ben Baldwin. Uh, the top 10 teams in order were this year were the Packers, the Bills, Eagles, Cardinals, Browns, Lions, Jaguars, Ravens, uh, and Rams. Okay, uh, Bottom 10. Uh, where Panthers, Niners, Bengals, Texans, Patriots, Giants, Steelers, Jets, and Saints. The Saints were last by a, a long shot. I'm not sure what Dennis Allen is is doing there. Um, uh, so, and some notes on on those numbers. I wanted to see, you know, where the Dolphins fell in fourth down aggressiveness with Tua under center, um, and in uh, in his mo- in his healthiest stretch of play from week seven to week sixteen. The Dolphins were actually fourth in the league in fourth down aggressiveness. Um, so I, I do think that having that having their their actual quarterback, starting quarterback, made a big difference there. Also, Lamar Jackson, uh, his absence made the Ravens less likely to go for it. Uh, before his Week 12 injury, the Ravens ranked third in fourth down aggressiveness. Um, they were in the middle of the road after that. So but I think that th- those are those are important notes. And, of course, Brandon Staley fell off the face of the earth this year. Had the analytics beaten out of him? Yeah, he did. He's. Uh, I was going to say something inappropriate, but yeah, he uh, <laughs> he was not our analytics king. And just thinking back to any closing thoughts on this game, to it, it's just weird how like the, the margins really are just so thin. And like coming into the game, 
one of the talking points was that one of the only concerns to the Eagles is Jalen Hurts' shoulder. Yeah. And I thought he, he looked almost like Taysom Hill on some of these deep balls where he had a few like with unbelievable ball placement. Like he didn't have the power and the drive, but he was dropping it in a bucket. But I did think that was an issue too that came up in a few like really critical moments that his arm was just clearly not fully out. He's, you know, he's not known as having like the biggest arm to begin with. And I thought like it was clear like his arm wasn't fully healthy on a few of those deep balls. God, I, hope he, I hope he doesn't need off-season off surgery. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he needs some sort of procedure because uh, before the, the final sort of Hail Mary throw that – Oh, I up, forgot about the Hail Mary that went 20 yards. Yeah. I mean, it came up 25 yards short of where he yeah. was going. And I, I thought – and he was not hit or anything. I mean, he stepped into it. Um, there were two big wind-ups from Hertz in the first half where he stepped into it. And I, I think we've all seen Jalen Hurts play enough to know that when he steps into a ball, um, you know, he can launch it. Like, like it, it's, it's one of those like moon balls. Um, and they were short. They were both short. One of them actually was caught by AJ Brown. The other one was almost intercepted uh, and was at least 10 yards short of where it should have been on a, on a fly pattern by AJ Brown. So there is there's something going on with that shoulder. Yeah, he might need some scar tissue cleaned out of there. Some quick look aheads from this game. I, I don't even know why I'm going to talk about any this stuff yet. What, what is today? February 13th. But I wrote Isaiah Pacheco, RB1 2023, question mark. Uh, uh, man, yeah, he was running hot down the stretch this season. Yeah, uh, you have to respect a running back who's good despite always seeking contact. Um, yes, and a lot of times those guys get hurt a lot early in their career and they yeah, kind of figure yeah. it out, but he is definitely an injury waiting to happen. I, I mean, you actually see him. I mean, I'll get into the numbers in a second, but you actually watch Pacheco and, you know, he runs angry, obviously, like a Marshawn Lynch, Marion Barber type runner. And, and you know, that has definitely has a place in the game. But there are times where he's in the open field and he starts looking for somebody. He, he swerves yeah. back. And, and you're like, uh, listen, listen, you're, you're, you're very, you seem like a good runner. Sometimes you gotta avoid people. You have to, um, and uh, so maybe we can get more of that. Anyway, he was one of the most efficient runners in the league this year in uh, rush yards over expected per attempt. Very nerdy stat, but a very useful one. I, I, I don't think that this Kansas City offense is conducive to an RB one um, uh, unless something changes with the way they distribute the ball. So I, I, I'm guessing he'll be slightly overdrafted in this coming offseason, but maybe not that much. Well, they could be like a top five RB1 if they got the pass catching role. But oh, yeah. Isaiah Pacheco caught a few more passes. Not that Patrick Mahomes passes to running backs that much, but three down roll, he'd probably be a top five RB1. But even yeah. though he caught more passes down the stretch, there wasn't a whole lot of indication that they were about to do that in 2023. And Derek McKinnon is a free agent. Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards E. Laird just kind of seems like a dead letter in terms of his role in the offense. Uh, he does have another year left on his rookie contract. He will presumably still be on the team, but that was what it would take for Pacheco to probably be like a safe weekly top 12 option. And yeah, he caught five passes in the AFC Championship game. It looked like he had kind of supplanted Jared right. McKinnon there. But that, that will be a big offseason storyline to follow, what, what they say about Isaiah Pacheco in the passing game. Yeah, and there will be a lot of hype there if they even suggest that he could. Yeah, yeah. and they will even suggest it, and so then we'll, like, over-focus on it. Like, yeah, we're going to focus on his hands, and right. we'll all go nuts. <laughs> probably nothing will really change. So I guess try to remember that um, if you're listening. 
Uh, if, Danny, if Miles Sanders, he's headed to free agency. He yeah. were re-signed by the Eagles. I mean, he's just like well, he's, he's a it's cr- well, it's weird though. But he like I don't even know how he scored eleven touchdowns this season. Like how many he seeded to Jalen Hurts and like Kenneth Gainwell. Even Boston Scott had three or four. Like I don't. Miles Sanders is just, I think, fully, and I will let someone else draft him territory. I'm done. I'm over it. Even though he had almost 1,300 yards this year, I'm just totally over it. <laughs> Am I overreacting? Uh, my fantasy teams could have used a little Miles Sanders myself, uh, but I, I I know what you mean. I mean, he's definitely he's not involved in the passing game at all, and that, that no, he that, averaged 3.9 yards per reception, which is actually impossible. Like, yeah, actually I mean, impossible. He's not a good pass catcher, and he's not involved. I mean, there were games where he was running like three routes, you know. So it's it. He's just not not out there for for passing plays. So that lops off a huge portion of you know his uh, PPR potential. Uh, I, I do think that being the, I guess the primary de facto primary back on a high-scoring, efficient offense is not the worst thing. Um, I'm not writing him off. I, I, I do understand the frustration. I'm not I'm not writing him off as someone that, uh, you know, I might dabble with. I might get crazy. You never know. Yeah, I'm taking him personally. I'm writing him off. Um, <laughs> yeah, personally. Okay. Uh, it will be interesting if he ended up somewhere else. I don't know what – I just don't know what to make of the guy. I feel like the Eagles still don't know what to make of him. Where he, they, they really throttled off him late in the year. Like it was pretty much every critical red zone touch was like Kenneth Gainwell in the most important games of the year. Uh, I said Devontae Smith, wide receiver one upside question mark. He was actually ninth in yards this year with 1196. He was all tied for 11th with 95 catches. He was already, I mean, a wide receiver one by the letter of that law. He wasn't quite by average PPR points. He was like, he was right on the cusp though. He's like the wide receiver 13 or 40. So yeah. Will, will he maintain his borderline wide receiver one production? Or do we think that I don't, maybe this Eagles offense just won't be so cra- as crazily efficient in 2023? Yeah, they could take a, a step back just, you know, for regression reasons. I know folks don't like to hear that word, but it is a thing and it does affect how players produce. Um, I, I do obviously see, and I'm going to be very controversial here and say, A.J. Brown is a roadblock here for Devontae Smith. Um, so if AJ Brown were to miss significant time, AJ, uh, Devonte Smith would be a tremendous fantasy asset. Although he's, he still is. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not t- trying to take away anything. Here are some numbers from, from the regular season. Um, if you look at, uh, targets per route run, uh, AJ Brown was targeted on 28% of his routes while Smith was targeted on 25% of his routes. That's not a huge difference, but it's enough, uh, to, to be, I think significant. Um, Brown had, uh, uh, 16 more expected fantasy points than Smith, but he had 45 actual points more fantasy points more than than Smith. Which aligns with him just always being a model breaker. He's just He's, always it, been a model. He breaker. is. Uh, I mean, Brown. Brown was uh, you know low as the Zoomers would say, low key dominant uh, th- this season. I know it didn't feel that way sometimes to folks who I, I know. I mean, I had Brown on some teams where I would be like, oh, okay, so Devontae Smith is the wide receiver one in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. well, who, no one told me that. Uh, A.J. Brown averaged almost three yards per route run, which is really high. Smith had uh, 2.2 yards per route run rate this year. And, uh, look, only <laughs> – we're talking about uh, air, air yard share. Only six receivers had a higher – 
uh, share of their team's air yards than AJ Brown, and it, and he's competing with Devontae Smith for the for those yards. So I think it's it's an incredibly impressive feat. Is maybe when you were talking though, maybe the only thing that could quote save Devontae Smith is maybe that underneath usage is just less volatile and. AJ Brown just won't run quite as hot in 2023 on his downfield targets. Where I mean, Patrick Crane is always pointing out. Remember him? Um, <laughs> I do. Yeah, remember that guy <laughs> in Arizona? Everybody kept saying, "Where's Crane?" I said, yeah, "I think he's scuba diving." Yeah, he was in Thailand. Um, no, where was he? he was in Indonesia? I think uh, he was in Indonesia. He's actually he's back in the what what he now calls the states. Um, he he calls back. In, he is back in the states now, so okay. he'll be coming out of his vacation coma here quite soon. But he always pointed out how Devontae Smith was really featured on like screens and design looks. So maybe that'll yeah. stay sticky. And yeah, Devontae Smith will be a very, 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 very fascinating ADP. Like there's going to be so many guys from this game. I feel like Pacheco, Miles Sanders and Devontae Smith and the next guy we're talking about could be some of the most fascinating ADP, ADPs of the entire offseason. I, I want to get ahead of, of, of the, I know this discourse is coming. I'm drafting Devontae Smith ahead of AJ Brown. I don't care. No, that, yeah, that's that's not right. That's that incorrect. Would be. Uh, the final thing from this game, of course, is that it's now officially Kadarius Tony season. Um, <laughs> it's one target. He scores a touch, <laughs> touchdown. He has. He did have maybe the most important play of the game in that punt return. But like, what the heck are we going to do with this guy? I guess we have to see if the Chiefs add a legitimate wide receiver one. But I mean, Kadarius Tony is either going to go. Your mentality is either going to be, I'm going to draft Kadarius Tony three rounds too early, or. I will never draft Kadarius Tony again as long as I live. It's going to be one of the crazier <laughs> ADP situations I think we've seen in a long time. There's no in between, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, they see him as a gadget player, and I guess they did a- this year because I think because of the health and like the midseason arrival stuff. We'll, we'll see. Man, I, I I have trouble. I he he hasn't been there for for that short a time. I mean, he's been there for two months or more, right? No, I mean, I think they could have implemented him more, but I, this clearly they were taking it quite slow. And he made them take it quite slow when he kept getting injured again. Um, I, I look, I, I'm looking at <laughs> the route running data for uh, for the Super Bowl. Kadarius Tony ran five routes. He played seven, seven snaps, okay? Uh, Justin Watson ran 17 routes just for uh, context, okay? So I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I like Tony. He does. He's very efficient. He always does something with the ball when he gets it. You would have to. There's a. There would be a lot of hopium involved. He's in gonna that. have a bigger role, but it's just like, are we sure? Yeah, I I, I, we actually are sure. Uh, <laughs> we really are. I mean, not even not even saying it as a bit. He will have a bigger role. The question is, if will it be big enough to matter? Okay. I I'm my. So I love we we love Tony on this we show. Do. Uh, I will say that my Tony hope has uh, has been <laughs> dashed uh, of late, and I uh, I feel like I have to back off. I see a guy be an X the the X factor in the biggest game of the year, and I just uh, no, I see no reason to rattle off. I was at so we had people over for the for the Super Bowl, and obviously some some normies are watching. They don't know Kadarius Tony, and they they saw him catch the touchdown and then return the punt. And they go, "Where's that guy been?" And yeah. I said, "You know what." That's a good question. Where has that guy been? Get in line. Um, we're asking that question. So yeah, but I would I would never quote have normies at my house for the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, I still I don't do Super Bowl parties. Did you know this? I just I did. I, I, did. I, I, I watch with my parents and my brother every year. And you tell them not to talk to you. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, I actually did. I, I should take people too, too far behind the curtain. I got uh, very snippy with my mom at one oh, point on Sunday no. night. Where I literally said, Mom, I'm trying to watch the Super Bowl. Oh, no. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> uh, I love watching with normies. It's actually fun. I, I, well, she wasn't asking me about the game. Um, oh, okay. She's okay. trying to tell me something, and yeah, I was very rude to my mom. She's trying to talk to you about your kids or something yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah, she, she, I was very rude to her. I apologized, but I was trying to. In my defense, I was trying to watch the game. Mrs. Doherty, if you're listening, I, I want to apologize uh, for your son. I did apologize. Uh, Thankfully, she wasn't too mad. Um, I actually there was there was a normie here at in my house who kept calling the Chiefs uh, Kansas, Ooh. and not they didn't say the Chiefs. They didn't say Kansas City. They just kept saying, go Kansas. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that tickled, me. tickled me. That's an interesting one. We'll be right back after this to talk a little coaching carousel. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Bundle Five and save an extra five dollars at checkout. That is promo code B U N D L E Five to save an extra five dollars at checkout. And don't forget. Download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players in your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Those promo reads, I kept tripping over the word Roto World. Um, it, it, it is a, a little bit of a, a, tongue tie, a tongue twister. Is, is that a word? I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know. By the way, I had to host. I had to host the podcast. You know, with, uh, without you at the Super Bowl, and uh, those ad reads can be can be tough. I, I got to re- I got to respect you. Yeah, I said, how'd that go? Um, <laughs> no, it seemed like it went really well. It went okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. <laughs> Your guys' stuff was great. You and Lawrence did an amazing job, and it was in Glendale, Arizona. It wasn't in Arlington, Virginia, on the soundstage. Finally, I guess the lawyers are at your door right now. They are. Um, Denny was there. I know you guys did an amazing job. Matthew Barry, everyone else did an amazing job as well. Hopefully, I will be there with you in Las Vegas, Nevada next year. I don't think we can have another kid quite that quick. So, um, <laughs> but you never know. No, we do know we're we're done. This we're done. But that's You're fine. Done. That's a conversation yeah. for another day. Denny, the uh, the speaking of the lawyers, they tell us the Colts are hiring Shane Steichen 
or is that how you say it? The Eagles offensive coordinator is their next head coach. It was not yet official. Everything's pointing in that direction. Uh, you know, depriving us of a meme hire and Jeff Saturday getting the job full time, yeah. but probably as good a hire as the Colts could have made. I mean, it's kind of a boring hire in that it's a low wattage name, but it's, I mean, to me, it's like the tried and true thing you want to do. You want to hire like the top assistant from like the best kind of staff. The Eagle staff was just unbelievable all year. So, so efficient on offense. What do we think about the Colts allegedly hiring Shane Steichen? I mean, it's fine. Like you said, like whatever. It, it, basically, they fired Frank Reich and then hired someone from Frank Reich's coaching tree. Yeah, I know. It's pretty weird. I, I, I do. I do think <laughs> that firing Frank Reich is probably the like the worst single move of the past, like maybe five years by an NFL franchise. Like there was no reason to do that. None. It was just it, they were just frustrated or say was frustrated. I keep seeing people at the fence beat writers and stuff defend Ursay. Oh no, no, he's not the owner. You think he is. He's not, um, he's, he's not unhinged. That was an unhinged move firing. He literally hired Jeff Saturday. I mean, it was unhinged out of control. The the franchise is completely rudderless and out of control. Yeah. So, I mean, I do think Nick Sirianni has maybe the best approach of anyone in the league right now, as we were talking about, he was, he's the analytics King right now, probably a good idea to hire his top Lieutenant. I mean, Shane was not calling plays as far as I know. Right. Uh, I think Nick Sirianni was still mostly handling that. Um, but, you know, not a good year for the Sean McVay coaching tree. I don't I don't think Kyle Shanahan doesn't have, like, a top lieutenant developed yet since losing Mike McDaniel. Yeah, so I, th- I thought it was at least a good place to look. Like, if you were just doing – like, making a higher base solely on profile, I'd be like, yeah, you know, let's see who Nick Sirianni's, like, top guy is. and. Mm-hmm. It does make sense from that perspective, even if the stuff that came before it didn't make sense. I, I do, I do wonder if if the Colts can get away from this idea that giving the ball, you know, to Jonathan Taylor twenty five times a game is going to win them a Super Bowl like that. Like he he can be part of a Super Bowl team, but you, you, no Super Bowl team is building their offense around a running back, and I just I feel like they're kind of trapped into that right now. Well, the Colts I think are just kind of screwed in general, like. They don't have a quarterback. The the greatest strength of this era of Colts football is their offensive line. That's kind of fallen apart. I mean, they've got a few interesting players on defense, but they don't have like season changers really at this point. Like this is looking like a pretty lengthy rebuild to me, yeah. actually. When you look at Yeah, the you're you're talking several years away from from uh contention, playoff contention. So speaking of several years away from playoff contention, the Houston Texans, but you have been fascinated because I mean, talk about following an archetype. Yeah. The Texans are becoming 49ers South, I believe you called it, and hiring one 49er after another. Teams always do this to the Shanahan tree, I feel like, and like kind of the Reed tree. They hire not just one Shanny coach, then they let Shanny then like lets them, or maybe the league rules mandate that they, like, they have to take like four of his other assistants. Yeah, I know. And his cover is just getting cleaned out every year. Yeah. Say Jets North didn't work out too well in New York yet. Well, Jets, excuse me, 49ers North. But now we're trying 49ers South in Houston, didn't he? Uh, no, it, the Jets thing didn't work out, but it could have worked out if they had a quarterback, just one. It's true. And, and and if they weren't shoehorned into trying to make Zach Wilson a thing, I, you know, that 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 tanked the whole deal. Yeah, so uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan, uh, Ryan's, uh, you know, hired as the head coach. Um, he gets um, – Bobby Slowick as his offensive coordinator. Slowick was the pass game coordinator for the 49ers. Whom you had, heard, you had heard of. 
definitely know who Bobby Slowick is. I, I, even I, I also knew who he was. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing about Bobby Slowick. He's one of us, folks. He worked for Pro Football Focus. Are he you is, serious? He is PFF Bobby. <laughs> okay. He is uh, all in on the analytics, and I and I appreciate that. I'm I'm excited about it. Um, you know, the, the the Niners are definitely a, a run first team. We all know that Kyle Shanahan loves loves him some establishment of the run, but the, the Niners' passing attack is is uh, one of the most cutting edge in the league as evidenced by their quarterback's high EPA numbers year after year. Boy, I wish I loved anything as much as computers love Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, so, the, and here's the thing. Yeah, so, the, so the, our, our computer overlords, they do love uh, Jimmy G. San Francisco has... Chat been... Jimmy GPT. <laughs> oh. All right. That's good. That's uh, actually edit, good. We gotta Put that, that in the title of this podcast. No, edit that out, actually. Oh, man. I really Sorry, like it. continue. Uh, all right, all right. Stick with me here. San Francisco had the league's second highest dropback EPA, trailing only Kansas City with Jimmy G and Brock Purdy under center this season. If you're wondering, Trey Lance was 18th uh, in dropback EPA. So, uh, you know, Brock Purdy and Jimmy G, not anyone's idea of an elite quarterback, but they they are very efficient. I wanted to also say that our colleague here at Roto World, Rivers McCown, who is in a Texans observer um it's also and, his uh, real name by the way for a while i thought it was a pen name nope. like a philip rivers josh mccann it is his real name by the way rivers mccann it sounds sounds like a character from a, a novel from the 60s um you, you could have done better than that but yeah probably I, i'm continue. not that quick on my feet this morning uh <laughs> the, so he, he this is what uh rivers tweeted the other day after hearing ryan's at his uh, introductory press conference um Rivers said, uh, this, this, this was the answer that jumped out to me the most from the D'Amico presser. Sounds like a very 49ers offensive philosophy makes me think they're going to target a wide receiver who can break tackles, make guys miss underneath in free agency and or the draft because I'm not sure that guy's on the roster. I can confirm Rivers' theory here that that guy's not on the roster. Well, and, not at least until they re-sign Rex Burkhead. No, yeah, well, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry, and Rex, if you're <laughs> listening, I apologize for uh, that error. But, but yeah, so I I think this is worth watching who they draft or who they sign a free agency who might be able to take on uh, that role. Of course, you need a, a viable quarterback. They don't have that either. So it, a lot a lot a lot to learn here. But I think it's fun. It's fun to have a, a team. Uh, enter the modern era and the Texans have not entered the modern era until, until this off season. So ho- hopefully they can get some offensive production. Yeah. The, the Ryan's hire is so interesting because basically he's one of those guys where everyone on the league kind of like the final two months of the season are like, this guy needs to have a head coaching job. And yeah. the only thing I'll say, like my only like hint of suspicion is like, it is interesting. Like the same unit like keeps producing head coaches like this is now like the second like Nick Bosa hire basically after Robert Sala, and like this how much of the success is the coordinators? How much is the 49ers just unreal personnel and defense? But uh, to me, it's mitigated because it wasn't just like D'Amico Ryan's like randomly emerged as a candidate in like January. Like he wasn't just like a box like checking like archetype like oh, we should get the co- coordinator from this good 49ers defense. He was someone like there was this generating raves and leagues or like clearly people in the know. And sometimes the people in the know don't know anything, but the people in the know have been talking about D'Amico Ryan's right. for a while. 
And it seems like yeah. as close to a home run as the Texans could have hit. And you know what? Ryan's is doing the thing that good coaches do, which is uh, to, you know, give responsibility to, you know, guys who know how to do it. Like yeah, he's yeah, not, yeah. he's, he, he's not going to say like, this is my team. I'm going to call the shots. Like, it seems like he is bringing in guys he's familiar with, including, including PFF Bobby um, to, to run, you know, to, to run, run the offense. He's a defensive guy. So, um, you know, so I, I think that it's, it's off to, it's off to a good start. I want to say real quick that Ryan's in his press conference did unfortunately have the, the following quote. He said the first Texans first and foremost, quote, want to establish the run game. So uh, mm-hmm. we're going to, I'm going to gloss over that and I'm going to focus on PFF Bobby. Yeah, yeah, focus on PFF. I, I couldn't tell if this was a bit or not. He he is indeed a former PFF employee, Bobby no, Slovakin. Because really. um, PFF Bobby would have been an amazing bit. The only thing more amazing is that it's real. Um, so all the best to PFF Bobby um, yeah. out there. And he's got so much to work with in that Texans offense. Um, yeah. <laughs> especially if they re-sign Rex Burkhead, then it's just overflowing with weapons. All right, so, all right. Yeah, I know. It's gonna be it's gonna be so tough because they have to implement an entirely new offensive vision, but first they have to like settle in a quarterback. So gotta it could get, just be like a, it could be just like a totally lost year for the Texans. Gotta get offense. a quarterback. Thankfully, all the Davis Mills truthers have been driven into the ocean. So and thankfully, you know, they have the number one pick at least. Uh, after you know working hard to have that. Oh wait, I'm being informed that they converted two fourth and tens on the most pointless drive mm-hmm. of the entire season to get the number one. Shout out to Lovey Smith. I mean, that, Lovey went down that, swinging. If if there if there was a major league movie, you know, like uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a major league football movie that that would be the end of it. Converting two fourth sounds to lose the number one pick. No, no team had converted more than one fourth and ten in a game all oh season, God. and the Texans converted two. On I still winning drive. I still say the Colts tank that game. They oh they did they really no but did. I mean like and like they were told do not mess do you you good no no that's what I mean play. that's what I mean I do think the Colts tanked that game uh, there was a miss there was a mistime jump that will stick in my head forever oh yeah that was that was crazy <laughs> forever I'm sorry bro athletes don't make that mistake that, it, was... it, that egregious of a mistake I've seen guys mistime the jump I'm not saying I've never seen that but I've never seen it to that extent so makes you think makes you think. <laughs> And makes me think this show is over, the shortest show in the history of the Roto World football show. Um, but, you know, the season's over. Minutes. Come on. Yeah, yeah. we're going to recharge a bit. We're going to recharge before Thursday when we're back. Um, not sure who's going to be on that show. I'm pretty sure you are. Uh, I don't we'll know. I'll be in Vegas. So Oh, oh, that's right. So you probably won't be. I forgot about the FSGA. Check that out, too. We'll have more details about that. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Crane's no longer jet-lagged. Maybe he'll be on. Um, so if he, well, uh, he, can he podcast from underwater? I think that's yeah, it's true. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> so for a returning Patrick Corain, for a departing to Las Vegas, Denny Carter, I am Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening all season. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back later this week. Thank you so much. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.